0: let's do it another edition here of god's on the go everything you want from the sports world recapping last week's action and getting you the things you need for this week 30 minutes our last sports talk of the week and to come see thanks to our great partners mohawk honda the selection is always king and mohawk honda you're trading in your vehicle it's worth the drive Order freeman's bridge road in glenville to work with my guy greg johnson i think my guy cam mckinnon was at the yankee game recently Shout out to him man so many people we're gonna to get to the yankees here in a bit but so many people supporting local programs, local teams, and local people. Now you can be a part of Mohawk Honda like I've been. Driving around my pie in the capital region, the best vehicle I've ever had. The most important part about it, I worked with people that I could trust. How many times have you heard that horror story of people that, oh, I got this deal, I got that, you got nothing back in return that you needed? That's not going to happen when you work with Mohawk Honda and the crew there right in Glenfield. Check out their stuff. On social media and more to find out what you're looking for, trade in your vehicle, get back what you need, or find the best ride of your life like I did. Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you. And our friends over at Johnstone Supply in Troy. Fall is officially here. And that means changes are coming to your home. Does your furnace need a new control board or a blower motor? Are you looking for an upgrade for your heating system to a new energy efficient ECM furnace? or low temperature ductless system johnstone supply and troy can make that happen for you and if you got questions exactly what that is stop in and talk to their friendly staff johnstone supply and troy is going to make sure your home is heated properly for that colder weather on the way this fall family owned and operated business johnstone supply and troy has been helping upstate new york residents for decades sixth avenue and troy as we always like to say right near that very popular barbecue place that upstate new york people know all about And whether it's finding the right filter or the nozzle or making your home heated efficiently for the new weather, Johnstone Supply and Troy staff can help you answer any questions you have in store. From George to Tom to Kevin James, the staff is looking forward to seeing you. Follow them on Facebook, shop online, or call them today at 518-272-5922. 518-272-5922. Johnstone Supply in Troy. And one more shout out this week, our friends over at Paizan's Pizza. You know me, I've traveled all across upstate New York. This is number one on my pizza place. It is worth the drive to check out the multiple locations for Pison's Pizza. And if you listen to the most recent upcoming episode, so scheduled to be released this Friday of LeVac and Goss, find out how you can win a chance to win in our Pizon's Week 1 Football Giveaway. Get ready to find out how you can win and have one of the best pizzas in all of New York State. Now, on to this week's episode of Gaz in the Go. Let's lead off with the captain number two, Derek Jeter, number two. All right, it's not exactly Bob Shepard there, but for Yankee fans, please do not think I'm hating on the captain or DJ Derek Jeter. But this is also not going to be a love affair for the next five minutes For my take here about how great of a baseball player Derek Jeter was and where does he rank amongst all-time great shorts. I'm not going to do that. You've heard that for 20 years. What is the next five minutes of me telling you how great Derek Jeter was is going to help you? You've already got your mind made up. If you're a Jeter hater, you're going to point to the analytics and the metrics and say he's an overrated defensive shortstop. That's what the numbers will tell you. If you actually lived through the 90s and saw the plays that he made, you know what he meant for the Yankee dynasty and everything else. You either loved him if you're a Yankee fan, you respected him if you are a baseball fan, or you're just a Jeter hater. I can't do anything in the next four minutes to prove anything different to that. But I will say this, the Derek Jeter Hall of Fame day this past Wednesday felt very much like real estate. And of course that real estate term, what are the three big rules of real estate, location, 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 that's what it felt like for Derek Jeter's induction to Cooperstown in the Hall of Fame. Where were you? Now, if you were in Cooperstown, it's an amazing moment, something you're never going to forget as an all-time Yankee fan. You got to see your guy go into the Hall of Fame, and that is incredible. If you were in New York, whether it be Syracuse to Albany to Glens Falls to Lake George, and you've been a Yankee fan your whole life, you might have watched it the ceremony on MLB Network, and you love seeing your guy get in. So if you're a New York sports fan, you loved the moment. If you were at Cooperstown, it may be something you never forget as a sports fan, seeing him and getting dunked into Cooperstown. But if you're a fan in, like, St. Louis or Florida or anywhere that's not really baseball territory or even Yankee territory, I know they're a worldwide brand, not a lot of people outside of New York cared about Wednesday. And that's, again, not hating, just being honest about it. Go look at the lead stories on ESPN and national sports websites. It wasn't the talk of Derek Jeter getting inducted because it was randomly on a Wednesday afternoon in the middle of the fall. And you could tell me why they had to do that and COVID protocols and the 2020 to 2021 class and everything. Look, you could give me all the reasons as to why it was a Wednesday afternoon. I get that. But on a national overall talking point, we all knew Derek Jeter was getting in Didn't matter if it was 2020, 2021, or whatever. Everyone knew Derek Jeter was going to be a Hall of Famer. This wasn't a shock. This wasn't an upset. Nothing miraculous or incredible happened. I saw some people on Twitter calling it the greatest Hall of Fame speech ever. Are you just looking for a story? If you were there, incredible Guys like Michael Jordan and Patrick Ewing and the legendary Yankees were in attendance. If you've got to grab a picture with them or do a story or something cool, maybe you bumped them to Cooperstown, making those memories is something you'll never forget. If you got to follow your favorite player from the days as an Albany Colony Yankee all the way to Cooperstown, that's something that's really cool about sports. But people who lived outside of New York didn't find Wednesday that important. They all knew he'd be a Hall of Famer. And you didn't have a primetime event around it. You made it in the afternoon. Jeter's a Hall of Famer. His legacy will be in Cooperstown forever. But it definitely was a location, location, location legacy of how I'll remember his induction. As for Jeter's team, he played his entire career for the New York Yankees 2021 version. Now's not the time for me to pile on. Yankee fans, it's been a rough 10 games. The team went 2-8. and eight. The Toronto Blue Jays got hot. The Blue Jays when we were taping this are up two runs in the ninth. And if the Yankees win at the bottom of the ninth, then you can tell me, Gazi, you should have waited. You gave up on this Yankee team. I think it's better if I just tape it now and you find out exactly what happens at the end of that game. But the Blue Jays got hot. The Yankees are starting to fall off. I saw my pal LeVac, and we'll touch more on this in the LeVac and Gaz show. Make sure to download, subscribe, rate, and review the LeVac and Gaz show. About how Yankee fans feel about where Garrett Cole might be for the rest of the season and how this team's gonna piece together. Look, what really is going to happen for this New York Yankee team is the playoffs are going to start September 24th rather than October. The final single-digit games of the season for the New York Yankees are the Toronto Blue Jays and the Boston Red Sox. That's how the season's going to end. So there's your real playoff stretch. If Toronto stays at this pace, if Boston continues to stay tight with the Yankees, the Yankees are going to be able to control their own destiny, and if they blow games at the end of September, they have no one to blame but themselves. They had the lead. I've seen a lot of Yankees saying, why did you take the contributors out of the lineup and put the superstars back in? Interpret that comment as you will. I joked around two weeks ago, I thought the Yankees might have peaked too soon, and Maybe that's coming to fruition now, but I'm not concerned about the Yankees. I'll tell you this until I see the Yankees fall off. Talent should take over. Top to bottom, stack up the New York Yankees starting nine and some guys on their bench in their starting rotation against flat out what Boston has and what Toronto has. And I'm not even factoring in Seattle because they choked away games they needed. And until they can prove to me that they can do it, I'm not going to believe in the M's. The Yankees still have the talent, the Yankees have the pitching, and the Yankees have the ultimate equalizer in the home run hits. So that's what I need, and I'll take that every single time with the Yankees. You were telling me when the games matter the most, the Bronx is going to be going wild, and they got to take down Boston and Toronto? I believe in New York. Back in June and July, didn't feel the same way I did about this team come August and now September. But Yankee fan, that's the truth in this now. This slow stretch, this losing streak just means the playoffs and when the meaningful games for this season will really start on those final single-digit games remaining of the season on September 24th. Hopefully, you're old enough to remember the old Chappelle Show sketch on Comedy Central that was called, When Keeping It Real Goes Wrong... And it was about the character just going over the top to keep it real. And so many people get so upset about them doing that. Unfortunately, in their traditional media setup of a newspaper, radio, television, it's hit a point over the last really four to five years that if you say something that someone disagrees with, they just put their hands over their ears and don't want to hear it and just want to hear their opinion. And I get podcasts maybe have been... In that spot more than ever before, because if someone disagrees with your take, you just put on a different podcast. If I guess radio and all that other stuff fits that same thing. If you don't like what someone says, now you can find anybody to agree with you and don't want to get into certain conversations about politics, religion, race, or anything else it might be. But there is no other way for me to view what's happened involving the Defensive Player of the Year, TJ Watt. And how differently the media has treated him compared to black players. This is simple as race. And I hate even like using it. It's the first time in the history of this podcast I've had to talk about race. But is there anything different? I always wanted to do a segment on 104.5. The team in the Levitard show flirts with this sometimes called What If They Were Black? And TJ Watt, let's play that game. What if TJ Watt was black? We actually have examples of this. Remember when Le'Veon Bell for the Pittsburgh Steelers was holding out? And Le'Veon Bell was a cancer to the team. and He was cheating his teammates out of it. His offensive line didn't want to block for him. He was a bad person, a bad guy, because he wanted his money. And he eventually got his money from the New York Jets. He's never really been the running back that lived up to the hype. But Le'Veon Bell got paid. But he was a horrible person for doing that. Remember Ezekiel Elliott holding out for the Cowboys and saying how much he was hurting the Cowboy franchise? The running back wanted to get paid too soon. He was going to derail the entire team's future. How could Zeke ever hold out for money? Zeke got paid. Never has been the player since, but he got paid. It was all summer long. Le'Veon Bell's the worst. Darrell Reeves is the worst, Zeke Elliott's the worst. Odell Beckham Jr. never missed a practice. Never mentioned his contract once. Even when he was asked about it in that summer, he did his best to deflect. Some may point to the offseason where the contract was a talk. I think he might have did it like a video with like Lil Wayne at one point. That was the only time his contract's ever mentioned. He finally gets the new contract. But Odell Beckham Jr.'s contract's a distraction. So Bell's black, Odell Beckham Jr.'s black, Zeke Elliott's black. We could run through this. But T.J. Watt, who is white, who is the Defensive Player of the Year, how many people, honestly, right now, did you even realize T.J. Watt was holding out? Have you even heard any story from NFL Network to ESPN to CBS Sports to Fox Sports that told you that the Defensive Player of the Year, a guy who hosts television shows on networks like Fox, that tag game he did with his brothers, was holding out, and not just holding out, but actually showing up to practice and not participating in drills. You want to talk about a distraction. Trust me, I played football. A distraction is not when someone's not there. Like, if someone isn't at practice, you just go and do your job. Not to quote Belichick there, but look, you do your drills, you do the execution, it's almost like a person's injured. If they're not there, you're going ahead with practice without them. T.J. Watt is literally at the practice facility in uniform and when the team drills would come up he just wouldn't participate he would go sit in the corner not literally but hey i'm not doing the drill i want to get paid so i'm not going to do the drill but i'm going to stand here that is called a distraction when someone is actually there diverting the attention away from the drill that you want to complete And just standing to draw the attention from the media to make a point to stomp his feet? But it is now September 8th when we're discussing this. How many people on a nationwide basis knew that T.J. Watt and the Steelers were having issues? Steeler fan probably knew. But it wasn't the summer of Watt. We had the summer of Rivas and Bell and Odell Beckham Jr. and Zeke Elliott. Not until this week I even heard of T.J. Watt. Tell me why there's a double standard. I can't figure out anything else than a race, and I hate doing that. Someone's going to bring up Aaron Rodgers. Guys, what about Aaron Rodgers? He didn't want to go to the Packers. He demanded a trade. Aaron Rodgers showed up. Aaron Rodgers was there. We can go all the way back to the Adam Schefter thing on draft day and wonder if Schefter just needed a big story on draft day to draw ratings and attention for ESPN. But how the media handled T.J. Watt, not some scrub, not some no-name, Arguably the best defensive player in football's holdout. In comparison to the other ways we've seen players treated during a holdout. Only one way that it can be described. Total race. If he was black, how much different would the media have treated TJ Watt? More fun things to talk about than race in the NFL. How about actually predicting division winners and champions? I'll keep this short and sweet for you. If you've missed some picks, go listen to Sports with the Zena T. Go listen to Trav and Rigney. A lot of podcasts this week have given their picks for the NFL season. If you missed any, GodzillaMedia.com. The NFL predictions are up. You may have seen our social media teases. You want to offer up your picks, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I save this stuff. So I will keep the take and I will send it back to you come February and tell you how smart you are. Quickly to go through mine. Bill's out of the East. Boy, I don't like that Ravens pick as much now because nobody can stay healthy in that backfield. Speaking about Le'Veon Bell, he's now a Baltimore Raven. But until Cleveland can do it, until Cincinnati kind of builds up Baltimore's division to lose, why does every season everyone hate the Tennessee Titans? Nationally, this team, is it boring? Is it because they're not fun to watch? You don't want to have the... I got the Titans out of the South. I don't even know why this is even a discussion. The Colts got some issues. The Jags are nowhere to be found. And Houston stinks. Titans are going to run away with it. In the West, I got Kansas City. My three wild cards. This is where there's a few surprises. I've got the Cleveland Browns coming out of the AFC North. Not a surprise for some. But then I've got the Miami Dolphins and Denver Broncos. Miami was aggressive this offseason. And I feel like they're scheduled. They're going to be favored in more games than you realize. And the same can be said for the Broncos. You're looking at right around nine wins for both of those teams. They could go nine and eight, but if they flip that to 10 and seven and win one of those 50 50 toss up games, you get a 10 and seven team coming out of the AFC. That makes sense to me. On the other side of it, I've got the Washington football team coming out of the NFC East. I'm done betting the Cowboys. I know the Cowboys have more talent than any team in the division. I've said that for five years. I'm done betting the Cowboys. Done. Given up on them. I like the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. I don't know what their coach is all about. I wouldn't have fired Doug Peterson. And Daniel Jones stinks. He's not good. And Giants fan, I'm sorry. You're going to have to find out the wrong way this season, how badly he's going to struggle, even though they've given him weapons this season. I've got Washington in the East. Green Bay, too good with Aaron Rodgers. The Buccaneers are not a slam dunk to win the South, by the way. Saints are still good. Falcons are competitive. Panthers have a better quarterback now. The Bucs didn't win the division last year, and they won the Super Bowl. So ease off on these big numbers with the Bucs winning the South. And my boy Levax convinced me on the Niners in the West. I feel like San Francisco's got a more balanced team. However, they want to use Trey Lance. I got the Niners. I got the Seahawks and the Rams. So I got double teams coming out of the West. And I kept going back and forth between who my other team was going to be. I sat on the Vikings over the Saints. Vikings over the Saints, but... No, I'll stick with that. I'm going to see you see I'm double. No. Vikings over the Saints. I think it's going to be a battle until that final week 18 of the regular season. God, that sounds weird out loud. Super Bowl prediction. For those who don't remember, one last time, I nailed my Super Bowl pick last year. I told you it was going to be Kansas City versus Tampa. And I had that ticket and I cashed it. Oh, it felt so good. I've got my Buccaneers back in the Super Bowl, but unfortunately the Bucks do not win at all this year. The Buffalo Bills are winning the Super Bowl. Inglewood, California, SoFi Stadium. The Bills mafia takes over the West Coast. Buffalo did everything they needed this offseason to put themselves in position to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Their division is lined up where they can do it. Balanced attack. Buffalo. This is the season. My Super Bowl champions are the Buffalo Bills. They get it done. And I want some week one NFL picks. Here's my picks for week one of the NFL. Hopefully, we start off good this season. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to go with four. I'm going to go with four. I feel really good about two. That will be the goal every week to give you four strong picks. I would personally advise to not bet on NFL games this week. I know you're tempted, guys. Come on. Been waiting months to bet on NFL games. Of all the weeks to bet on the NFL, this is the hardest one to do because all the bookmakers and the line makers have had months to prep for these lines. They've been staring at these games. You're going to get tricked. You're going to get caught on something. Just go back and look at the past few seasons. Remember when the Bengals played the Seahawks and the Bengals kept it tight that entire game? Remember how bad the Jacksonville Jaguars were last season? They wanted week one. There was a Vikings-Falcons game a few seasons ago. There's always something bizarre that happens week one that surprises everybody. I was all about the Niners and the Lions game. And now I'm completely off it. I thought San Francisco was going to be a pick of the week. I got them in the survivor pool. And now I'm getting nervous about them in my survivor pool. I know it's seven and a half, but I have moved off of that. Here are the games I'm going with instead. Key, for week one, I'm betting quarterbacks... And head coaches, and more so head coaches, what coach has the advantage in the matchup? When you've got months to prepare for an opponent, what coach do you trust? How about my guy, Mike Vrabel? This is a guy who out-coached Bill Belichick in a playoff game. So you're telling me Mike Vrabel can't out-coach Cliff Kingsbury? Who somehow, someway continues to get elevated with losing records to wherever he goes? I'll take the Tennessee Titans minus two and a half in that game against the Arizona Cardinals. Buffalo and Pittsburgh. These two teams, I just mentioned earlier in the podcast, one's my Super Bowl champion, and the other has TJ Watt, who may or may not be there. Take the under in this game 48 and a half. Some people will never bet unders because they don't like rooting for the under, it's a weird thing to root for. But I've got a really good coach in Mike Tomlin. Steeler fans finally embrace that. I've got a really good coach in Sean McDermott with both defensive backgrounds. I don't know what Ben Rothsberger is going to be able to throw this season. The Buffalo Bills rushing attack still has question marks. The over-under is 48.5 games in Buffalo. Under Pittsburgh versus Buffalo in that matchup. Chargers football team. I still have the Chargers listed as a half-point favorite, so truly a 50-50 toss-up game. This could be one of the best Scott Hansen red zone 1 o'clock witching hour games. I get Ryan Fitzpatrick week one, and Ron Rivera, and Jack Del Rio, and a West Coast team coming to the East Coast for a 1 o'clock kickoff. The the old-school gambling people will remember that old notion. Give me the football team at home, maybe a game winner to cover that game. I'll take a money line. I like doing minus 2.5. When I see numbers like this, and you'll notice this in the college one come up as well, if I see a team at minus .5, I just move the line to minus 2.5 and, and get a bigger payday. So I would move that line to minus 2.5 for the Washington football team. And now I'm going to talk myself back into the Niners pick. No, I'm not. Okay, if the Niners end up pushing me to 4-0 and and I decided not to do it and I go 3-1 and this week, that's on me. I'm going to go over 45 44.5 is what I still haven't had. 44.5 for Jags-Texans. Don't think it's going to be an exciting game for most people or they're going to be tuned in for this. But Urban Meyer, first time coaching an NFL team. Trevor Lawrence makes his debut. Same thing on the other side of the Texans with the new head coach. Tyron Taylor wants to prove that he's a really good quarterback. How about the times Tyron's lost this job? Benched on a Thursday night football game when. His former Browns coach didn't want to play Baker Mayfield, and that weird shot in the ribs that knocked him out and put Herbert on the field from the team doctor. God, I hope the Niners don't crush the Lions and I lose this on this. I will go with over 44.5 in Janks-Texans. Those are my four picks. I like those first three a lot better than that fourth one. Keep it listening to this podcast. Who knows? I might change my mind before it all ends. All right, let's focus on Syracuse football. And let's recap their game. The Orange winners over Ohio. I was getting nervous about that matchup with the Bobcats. I still think the Bobcats are going to have a good season. Got to figure out what the hell they're doing at quarterback. But Syracuse, Sean Tucker. Look, Sean Tucker had a really good game. I'm not the biggest Sean Tucker fan in the world. I thought he was just the guy who needed to carry the football last season for Syracuse because they were just crushed with injuries. I got a little frustrated when I saw the local Syracuse.com article that was already calling for Sean Tucker to wear 44. Knock it off. Knock it off. They beat Ohio and they had one win last season. That guy's not going to wear 44 in 2021. Maybe he's got a chance to wear it if Syracuse continues to play well and he lives up to it, but stop it. Beating Ohio and winning one game and calling for 44 to come back. Anyways, he was really good. Best game the Syracuse Orange offensive line has played in three years. Great up front, nice job across the board for Syracuse. They get Rutgers in the Carrier Dome this week. Should be a really good game. Tommy DeVito on the wide receivers got to get on pace a little bit. Step up. Rutgers and Syracuse are pretty even. I know Rutgers, on a national perspective, gets I can say gets shit on a lot because they played against really tough competition. Greg Schiano is back, running the show there for Rutgers. Should be a great game. Give me Syracuse. Andre Schmidt knocking down a field goal when it matters the most. Syracuse continues to dominate up front. They beat Rutgers 24-21, and they'll be back in the Carrier dome the next week. Deuce Chestnut, by the way, great performance by the freshman. We're going to have some more takes on Deuce Chestnut next week. After the Orange hopefully step off the Carrier dome field with the 2-0 record. And they prepare for their matchup with the U Albany Great Danes. U-Albany. 28-6. They fall to the North Dakota State. They're in that game in the first half. A big play, broken tackle, makes it wide open. They get up by two scores in the Bikes and just take over from there. Roy Alexander, you want to talk about freshman standout? How about he gets on the board? That's a big touchdown play. And that game goes about close to 70 yards from an undercuffler pass. No rushing attack, really, for the Great Danes. Stuffed up front. Their offensive line, Carl for the preseason All-American, couldn't get it going. Struggles on third downs. 0 for 11 on third downs. But here's the positive for the Great Danes. Whether it's Mark Benson, Coach Cattuso, somebody's got to get credit for the scheduling because it's working out really well for the rest of this season. You play who could end up being the FCS National Champions in North Dakota State. You followed that up with a conference game against Rhode Island. So your team has already tested week one, and you're playing up to a high level of comp, and you're going to bring that against Rhode Island. And then you follow that up with an FBS matchup. against an in-state team in Syracuse. And you continue to prepare for your CAA opponents. Albany is going to get better this season because they're getting tested this season. Under Kuffler, in the pocket, pressured. He'll be able to handle that. I like where you Albany's going this season. Interesting to see how they perform against the Rams at Casey Stadium this weekend, but I feel like that North Dakota State game has gotten them exactly what they need to improve on for the rest of the season. And then we'll see the Great Danes and Orange battle inside the Carrier Dome September 18th. Week 1, college football, FBS level. Three biggest takeaways. Keep it short and simple for you. Cincinnati's a lot better than I thought. Desmond Ritter, whew, I compared him in my preseason Season preview to Kyle Trask and Joe Burrow. Players who are on good teams one season, okay, average, eh. And then got a lot better in next season. That looks like the Cincinnati quarterback and how good he is. The ACC is a conference. My God. Look, Carolina lost in late stadium with entertainment Sandman and everything else. They just weren't good. They looked terrible in that game. Clemson can't move the football against Georgia. I heard someone compare it to... Watching a snake eat a mouse and how long it was going to take as it slowly just sucked the life out of Clemson. Hard game to watch, not impressive. But the ACC just flat out didn't look good in either one of those games. Duke got beat by Charlotte. Duke, the Blue Devils got beat by the Charlotte team that people still wonder whether or not they're FBS or FCS. I'm going to make you look that up. Georgia Tech got beat by Northern Illinois. Yeah, bad week for the ACC. I love the Pac 12. I liked sounding smart because I told you the Pac 12 was going to be the most exciting conference in college football this season. UCLA beats LSU. I know the Tigers had to deal with a lot of things involved in the Hurricane, but Chip Kelly's team, again, making me look smart. I had a feeling they're going to be good this season. Sure enough, they showed up and looked really good in that matchup. USC pulled away from San Jose State at the end. I think there's going to be a lot of fun Pac-12 games. Oh, yeah, and by the way, Oregon takes on Ohio State this week as well. So look out for that. I know Cal got beat by Nevada. Arizona got beat by BYU. You know what? No more Stony. Let's see if I can go 8-0 on my college football picks. Here we go. 4-0 last week. A lot of West Coast action you're going to notice here. Let's start with Stanford at USC. The Cardinal versus the Trojans. I like the under. In this game at 52 and a half. Why? Because last week, shout out to Chris Berenfelica for for this stat. Stanford took 27 seconds on average to complete each play. That means they barely are moving the football. So I don't know how the hell they're going to get to over 52 points in this game if Stanford's not going to allow USC to ever get on the field. And if you're telling me you're going up against traditionally great USC linebackers and defensive linemen, that Stanford with their double tight end stuff is going to actually work? And they don't have the talent that they used to five ten years ago? I don't know how this game's going to get to 56. So give me the under because of time of possession in USC Stanford. A lot of chaos going on involving this East Carolina-South Carolina game. Some lines might still have South Carolina as the favorite. I know Circa Sportsbook, and this has been a talk, that South Carolina... Opened as the favorite. And so much money went on East Carolina that it swung like five points within 12 hours. And Circa Sportsbook actually went to social media and said, Sorry, I guess you guys didn't like our East Carolina-South Carolina line. I've never heard a sportsbook apologize for a line they put out. But sure enough, Circa did that. With all that weird stuff going on, East Carolina now a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I'll let the Pirates win by three. I think the hook will pay off for me. So give me East Carolina over South Carolina in that game because of the strange things going on there. I'm going back to the Pac-12 for this game. There's like three other games. I keep looking at Pittsburgh, but it's three and a half. I don't want to get hooked there. I think the Panthers could win by three over Tennessee. I kind of want to stay away. That Washington-Michigan game was very weird. Washington got beat last week. Michigan looked just fine. That's six and a half. I think I'm going to stay away, but if I had to place a bet, I'd probably put it on the Huskies in that game. I'm going back to the West Coast for this third bet. Arizona State versus UNLV. Sun Devils running Rebels in this one. Arizona State put up 41 points in their first game of the season. UNLV put up 33. Over-unders... 53 and a half, but the Sun Devils are favored by 33 and a half points. Okay, so walk me through this. How is this game not going to go over? So if Arizona's a 35-point favorite, they're going to have to score what? 42 to 7 is going to be the final, and they're going to cover with a 42 to 7. So you're telling me if it's 49 to 14... Arizona State still covers, but the over goes screaming over the top. So that's 63, 49-14. to So they're going to win 35 nothing. So you're telling me UNLV is not going to score in this game? I don't see that happening. I just don't get how it's even going to go under in that game. So I'm going to play the over in UNLV Arizona State because the math is just not making sense to go any other direction. And i like to do a little, little Pac-12 after dark. I thought I had a Texas accent to that. I don't know. But that's it. In my number one play this week, the game I'm most excited about, the game I feel the most confident in, Arizona versus San Diego State. You want to talk about movement on this game. I was all excited when I saw Arizona open as a one-point favorite. Then the line swung to a half point for San Diego State as the favorite. Now, Arizona, according to most sports books, is listed as a two-point favorite. Over San Diego State. Arizona football is currently tied after Kansas's victory. The Wildcats have the longest consecutive losing streak in college football. They're tied with Old Dominion in that discussion as well. UL Monroe's up there too. But Arizona has not won a game since October 5th, 2019. It's almost been two years since Arizona's won a game. And you're telling me, at home, they're going to go out and beat San Diego State. How? San Diego State wins their first game of the season. Here's San Diego State. 2016, 11 wins. 2017, 10 wins. 2019, 10 wins. Their running back went over 160 yards in their game. San Diego State's known to pound the football. The talent between San Diego State, who could easily win the Mountain West, And Arizona, who's going to finish in dead last in the Pac-12, is extremely even. So how is Arizona going to beat San Diego State? And why is Arizona, who hasn't won a game in almost two years, listed as the favorite? That alone should scare me, but I feel like it's just name recognition. It's people are more familiar. You're trying to get Joe Public to bite on the bet. I would take San Diego State money line. I would take San Diego State minus six and a half if you can get it. The Aztecs are my favorite play of the weekend. So those are my four picks. Go back, run it back. A lot of West Coast action this week. Goss in the go. Don't forget to listen to LeVac and Goss this week. Enjoy the weekend.